What is up? What is up? Welcome to the Terrible Wrestling Takes Podcast with me, your host, The Bishop, TW Takes. Do not forget, do not forget, review if you do, rate if you feel. Follow me at TW Takes Podcast on Twitter and Instagram. Email me with all your terrible takes at bishoptwtakes at gmail.com. It's now time for more Terrible Wrestling Takes. Oh shit, here we go. And as we've done the last couple times, we'll be going live with the video. Hanging out in the chat. Anybody decides to show up, we're across Twitch, Periscope, YouTube, and Facebook right now. Shouts to everyone out there tuning in. As the chat says, I know I'm competing with the president right now talking about the stimulus, but hey, what are you going to do? You don't go up against one, you don't go up against all. So I, t- I took some time to go over my feelings and thoughts on NXT. And, you know... When I, when I watched it first time Wednesday night, I was a little distracted by some other things I had to do, and I didn't really soak it in, and I felt like it was it was kind of a subpar show. And then I listened to a couple podcasts, and they were talking about AEW and how AEW just didn't have a good show, and they were raving about NXT, and I'm like, huh, you know, maybe I missed something. So as I usually do, I did I did a uh, I did a rewatch, kind of see what what my feelings were. Hey, shouts to at Justin Time 211. You're way more entertaining than the president, homie. <laughs> Appreciate you, brother. Your pin is in the mail. I meant to hit you up, Justin. Justin joining via Twitch. Uh, he won a rattlesnake pin during the Royal Rumble. I finally put it in the mail a couple days ago. Uh, appreciate that, Justin. So my my thoughts on NXT were that it actually hit pretty damn well. Um, you know. Because at first, I'm like, well, the Loomis Gargano thing, it's not what I want, right? And and then I went back to my roots here, and I go, it's not about what I want. It's about what's entertaining. And having the North American title as a prop in this storyline, as opposed to it being something of importance, kind of took me by surprise that I can understand what that means. And, and, and hear me out, because when they did the, the ladder match at TakeOver 30 for the North American title... I thought they were setting up to give us some prestige to the title. Something to make the title really worth it. And maybe that's what happened with Keith Lee being dual champ. But I don't feel like this particular storyline is trending that way. And that's okay. Because I think on the outside of this storyline, the North American title is going to have have some, some respect to its name. And what Johnny and Loomis are doing is actually really well told and you're getting uh, 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 the background storyline or the the individual personalities of Indy Hartwell and Austin Theory and Candace and Johnny because they look disjointed, but they only look disjointed because you're finally seeing more personality from everyone else. So I'm, I'm down for the storyline. I don't know where it's going. I if If we get Loomis with the title and then Johnny and Candace back to figuring out what the way is, I think it's better well off that way. Because if you guys remember, at the beginning of when the way started, I didn't quite understand why they were doing it. Why, what, what was the point? What is the way? Because the way always ends up in them losing. And this time he won, but now he can't win and keep the unit together. So I'm, I'm down with that. Another part of NXT I thought was pretty fucking cool was the, the Swerve Scott running. When when I thought Tyler Tyler Rustin and Leon Ruff were having a match, I was like, cool. Like, you know, both these guys can wrestle. But I love, absolutely love how Swerve Scott interfered and, and hit Leon Ruff when he was doing his entrance. Because a lot of people have these, these flashy fucking entrances that are for the sake of them looking cool. So when Ruff flipped upside down in his presentation version of his entrance... And he gets kicked in the face. I thought it was phenomenal. I thought it was really well done. You know, I'd like to see more people do shit like that. Because, like, you know, it it happens in the middle of the ring. You know, the guy raises up the title. He gets hit in the back. Now, this was during the flashy part where it's like, hey, look at me. Look at me. Uh, And, you know, I thought thought that was really well done. Now, the rest of it, you know, that was cool, too. Um, I don't like this version of Swerve Scott. I, I like him too much as a wrestler. But... As we've seen time and time again, 
wrestling doesn't get you everywhere you need to go within the entertainment business of wrestling. Of, well, of WWE, that is. Because there's guys who, who are out there who just wrestle their ass off and don't have the character behind it. And and that's that's what I guess Swerve is trying to do. Because if you remember, you know, late last year when he was teaming up with uh, Breezango and everything, I thought he was just on top of the world. At Just In Time 211 in the Twitch chat says, big fan of Swerve, but this heel turn feels like it's going nowhere. You know, I feel I, I kind of feel the same way because he's not getting getting wins, but he did say in his promo on Wednesday that he's no longer allowing Ruff to be given the opportunities. He's going to take them. So it has to trend that way. I'm with you. It feels like it's going nowhere, but it has to trend like it is going somewhere, uh, which I found I found MSK to be the opposite, right? MSK MSK came in, and like I said, when they won the Dusty Cup, you can see the emotion in them, and they did a phenomenal promo showing you what WWE and NXT and the Dusty Cup meant to them. And then they have the Grizzled Young Veterans take them out. Now, I don't know if there's a legit injury behind the broken wrist or broken hand attack, and you know why would you go this route when you have something so hot that people are really enjoying, but it took the, the tag team title shot off the, the table for next week. And you have a team that's trending up and an act that I, for one, who have never seen before, I know they're popular outside of WWE, but I've never seen them, and they pulled me in from the beginning. Why are they not why are they not getting that opportunity next week? And like we all say, right? Like you you're giving us something that's dope. Let's push them. Let's let's get them to the top. Just fuck it. Go for it. You know, what's the worst that can happen in this standpoint? So I, you know, I'm a little curious on 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 why they went that angle. Because, uh, like like Justin said, if Swerve looked like he was going nowhere and I think he's actually gonna trend up, why was MSK looking like they were trending up and now looking like they're not gonna go anywhere? You know, I guess they have the tag team title opportunity uh, at any point in time. Uh, but speaking of Grizzly Young Veterans taking out uh, taking out MSK, they had a pretty decent promo before their match between uh, Drake and Dane. I thought Dane looked fucking incredible. Um, that's another one where he had so much steam at one point in time, and then they were like, nah, let's press the brakes. Again, to my point a couple episodes ago, you know, are we ready for another NXT show? Are we ready for just a Saturday show of what's not on TV? More women's tag title action. Uh, more just NXT stuff. Because a guy like Killian Dane being lost in the shuffle on a just one two-hour show. I mean, not that they need to compare themselves to AEW, but uh, AEW now has three shows that they put talent on. And I think that's what we need. I think that's what we need. And, you know, I called for... I called for the, the three-hour show on NXT. And again, shouts to the Mass Man Show. David Shoemaker and, and Kazim both said, you know, having more of a territorial system where there was additional shows as opposed to three hours might be the best way. And I'm down with that. When I was talking to uh, to Marcy the other day, and I just said, you know, if shout-out to Wrestling on the Rocks on all platforms, WOTR the show on Twitter. Check them out. I was thinking... If WWE had a show at 8 p.m. every night of the week, you know to tune in 8 p.m. every night of the week. We still put on SmackDown and go to USA first because we're programmed to go to the same channel. And it's like, oh shit, yeah, it's on Fox. But if this Peacock deal becomes legit, and a lot of the stuff that we watch outside of wrestling is on Peacock, if all programs are ran live on Peacock at 8 o'clock every single night of the week, and you got seven shows... I'm just, you just put it on, set it, and forget it. Maybe that's what we need. Maybe that's what we need. Because as you guys see, you know, I don't, again, I don't want to say I called it, but when when you have Casey and Caden on TV, like I had asked for months ago, the more she's on, the more they are on TV, the better they're going to look. The more investment you're going to have. And Casey Catanzaro and, and Zia Lee had an awesome match, you know. We don't get that without them getting the practice in the ring and the time on TV. Now, they are two of the most athletic women in NXT. I thought it was a really fun match. 
again, Zaya, I don't know what it is. Uh, me and, and my homie that I work with, we were talking about UFC fighters and how they have this upgraded hotness because they can kick your ass. It's like even if you're not necessarily attracted to them, you're automatically attracted to them because if not, you'll lose in that fight anyway. <laughs> and and Zia Lee, again, them fucking pictures she's putting online plus her presentation in the ring, it's just like I'm automatically attracted to her. And my my eyes cannot be removed from her. And then I'm infatuated with the way she works. It's 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 so fucking good. It's being done so well. And Casey and, and Zaya have really good chemistry. I, I thought like they had this believability in what was happening, you know, because Zaya Lee has whooped everyone's ass since she's been back with this character. But it was believable that Casey had the ability to get under Zaya Lee's skin because they're friends. They know each other. She knows Zaya's ways, and then she she left herself. Uh, Casey Canzara left herself vulnerable. Zaya Lee took her out. I mean, the whole match was just really good storytelling, and I think that's what I was I was taken aback by on Wednesday was that it was more story based across the board with solid matches as opposed to what we've been used to the last couple weeks with NXT is just these fucking incredible matches. And it's not that the matches sucked. It's just that they're compared to what we had the last couple weeks, the the matches themselves aren't as prolific as they used to be. You know, again, the last couple weeks. But the stories are now progressing. Justin Tide 211 in Twitch chat again says, Xylee's progression since the Mae Young Classic is phenomenal. Absolutely, dude. Absolutely. And, you know, I would even, I would even bring it uh, sooner than that because everything she did post May Young Classic 2 was, let's say, um, quality wrestler standpoint. And it took this character change to give you investment. Because I always felt like, like I was always drawn to what Xia Li was. And maybe it's because we don't have many Chinese wrestlers, period. And her look, her athleticism was always there. But this particular turning character to have, have that body behind her. Because like take Io Shirai, for instance. Io doesn't really have a character. They call her the genius of the sky. She is one of the most athletic women we have. She doesn't really mess up. And she is like, I don't want to say a perfect wrestler, but it's very damn close. But she has no character behind her. But she's she's a very charming woman. She's She is attractive as well. But her athleticism and her charm kind of brings you in and you go, oh shit, she's a really good wrestler. But Zia Lee, before she even throws a punch, before she even hits a suplex... I'm drawing the fuck in. And that character work is like dope. And then she's now twisted her in-ring style from kind of that, uh, yeah, well, yeah, acrobatic, but not in a uh, Io Shirai way. Acrobatic in like a, a martial arts movie way. She, she moved from that to more deliberate, and I think it's phenomenal. So, you, I mean, you're right. It, it is... It, she, I just think the character change is more impressive than the actual progression. But for sure, Xia Li is now, in my opinion, a star. If they continue down this road where even afterwards, this is still her character, still her presentation, uh, she's top-notch. And it'll be great to see her really continue to move forward. Because now, uh, with with the, the storyline injury to Casey... Of course, you know, you would assume that next week we're going to have Caden versus Ali. What's that ass whooping going to look like? Because Caden's no joke. Legit Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu black belt. Like, we're going to see, like, a real fight. And if she injures her too, what's the next level? Who comes back to them to, to stand up for Casey and Caden? It should be really fun, man. should be really fun. I'm, 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 I'm really enjoying it. Really, really enjoying it. Uh, Io Shirai versus Zoe Stark was probably my low light of Wednesday. Um, I had high hopes for this match. I, I liked Zo uh, Zoe Stark's introduction uh, last week. And I, I saw jitters. I don't know if it was just me. I saw I saw jitter jitters in uh, Zoe Stark. And EO usually tells you by her facial expressions how she feels. She has that, uh, that Roman Reigns versus Undertaker look to her face where it's like, damn it, this match ain't adding up. And I, I caught that a little bit. You know, when EO starts to slow down... Uh, give you facial expressions. She kind of does this like this reset. And 
this match in particular I thought would be undeniable. Absolutely undeniable. And we didn't get that. We got an okay match and, you know, a little clunky here, a little clunky there. It just, you know, it wasn't clean. And, again, my hype for this match, I didn't, I didn't put anybody on it. I just, I assumed that this would be a match that I would go, yo, if you don't fuck with wrestling or you don't fuck with women's wrestling, check this match out. And at worst, it was going to be a clean match, and it wasn't that. But what I did see is the ability for that match to grow and get cleaner, get better, month, two, three months from now. The next time they wrestle, it's going to be fire. So the good news is, though, we're getting Tony and EO one-on-one two weeks from now. That's the match. That's the match we thought we were getting at uh, TakeOver. That's the match that we've all wanted since the Mae Young Classic. I'm excited for it. And I didn't think I didn't think I would like heel Tony. And I love it. I'm a huge Tony fan anyway. <clears throat> Excuse me. I'm a huge Tony fan anyway. But heel Tony works. She is as arrogant as she needs to be. And she backs it up completely. Shouts to Tony, man. Shouts to Tony. Uh, let's see what happens in two weeks. Um, I touched on uh, Drake and Dane versus GYV a little bit. Um, I thought Killian Dane's... Uh, Samoan drop into a fallaway slam, or the combo, I should say, of having both of them was just awesome. And then he hit that double suplex on GYV. But he's a guy that we need to see more and more of to to really feel his contendership. Because like him versus a Bronson Reed, it's just an NXT fight that we need. You know what I mean? Or him versus the carrying cross that we saw on Wednesday night is a fight that we need to see. And he's such a fighter... A great technical wrestler, too. But it I do feel him being weighed down by the amount of time on TV. How do we get him more time on TV? And I would actually assume that if Nikki wasn't as important to the WWE main roster, that the two of them might actually go to NXT UK and have a better showing. Which is tough, because, again, time on TV, time on TV. We're not getting Nikki on TV. We're not getting Killian Dane on TV. And and why is that? Is it because there's not enough structured television? I don't know. I don't know. I would like both. I would like both to happen, but uh, neither one of them seemed to get it. And there was that little tease afterwards when Drake Maverick was hurt, where Alexander Wolf stepped to Killian Dane and was like, yo, remember when you used to be a monster? Like, with the way you looked in the ring... With the way Wolf approached him, I actually wouldn't mind if Dane joined Imperium. I wouldn't mind if he went healed out, fucking shaved his head or anything. Like, just fucking completely monster out. Uh, turn turn into that animal, man. And, you know, but we'll, we'll see. We'll see. I'm not going to fantasy book him. I just want to see more on TV. Uh, I think he's a great wrestler. I think he he just needs more uh, more ability to show what he's got. But again, we have such an abundance of talent now. They signed 30 people. Uh, a couple of them we've seen on TV already. How do we get these guys on TV? Uh, maybe it is time. Maybe with Peacock. Well, they, you know what? They did, they did announce that, right? Uh, Evolve and NXT are going to have some type of some show on Peacock. And as many as we need. As many as we need. You know, um, again, I tried with AEW. It doesn't work for me. I mean, shouts to Paul White for signing over there. Uh, the tweet I put out when he signed with AEW was the fact that AEW just shows that they're willing to give wrestlers jobs. And that's important. Because even if you don't like the product, even if you don't think it holds up or whatever, it doesn't matter. Even if you love it. The more important thing is that if these guys want to wrestle, they have a place to go do it. And they get paid for it. And if some people enjoy it, then good on them. You know, I, I'm not going to... I'm not going to bash AEW. I'm not going to bash anybody that works for them. I think when it comes down to it, as long as they're willing to cut a check, and as long as they can pay for it, by all means, go for it. I mean, EC3 just signed with ROH. What does that do for anybody? Anybody who's a fan of EC3, you have to go find ROH if it's on your cable stream or get the ROH app if they have one. I don't even know how to find it. They might be on Fight TV. But, I mean, for him, he's getting a paycheck. And he's moved. That's it. Like, he's he's found a place to wrestle that's going to pay him for it. By all means. By all means. 
Uh, let's see here. Speaking of one of the signings, LA Knight had another uh, another promo. You know, everything I've heard about LA Knight is that he's a fantastic promo. I'm not mad at the ones that we got. Um, he's doing these really cool vignettes where, or re just speaking promos to camera, you know, solo joints where he's basically letting you know uh, he's he's doing things at his own pace and what he wants to do. And I tell you, with the way they're handling him, he either needs to not wrestle for a long time or when he does, make it a point against enhancement talent where it all works out. Because we've seen this time and time again where these people who come in with hype promos and shit just get dealt an ass whooping. And and I don't I don't want to see that. I, I want I want some nice built talent and viable contenders across the board. And LA Knight does talk that shit. I'm not really invested in anything. Um, I'm just I'm waiting for it all to make sense together. Um, oh, fucking Cameron Grimes. I don't know if there's mixed reactions. I just know that some people like it and I don't. Cameron Grimes. I don't like the high pitched, arrogant. Uh, confidence or whatever the fuck you want to call it but the way he talks the way he promos and then being the butt of the joke it's all too silly for me and he's a better wrestler than that so how do you combine it how do you make the humor and the lack of seriousness make sense to how good he is as a performer i don't know but what I do know is that what I see out of Cameron Grimes, I take none of it seriously, and none of it makes sense to me. If he if he's claiming to be an internet millionaire, then fine. Uh, he's foolish with his money. I get it. But what does that do for me? What does that do for me? He lost the DiBiase challenge a couple times, and then in order to win it, he hit somebody. Yeah, he's a heel. He's being a dick. I get it. Uh, it's all his own fault. But what does that do for him having me taking him seriously one way or another especially when it comes to wrestling because that's what this is about right it's about wrestling so i don't know um i just i wanted to throw it in there because i felt like if i didn't talk about him uh it wouldn't make sense once i start shitting on it later so i'm not a big fan of what they're doing with cameron grimes but we'll see um carrying cross versus santos escobar hey what's up cwn 18 in the twitch chat cross and escobar I thought this was the best use of Cross, period. Um, I have a big problem being invested in carrying Cross. I like the hype. I'm okay on the look, but his matches are not vibing with me. He, he has a technical wrestling proficiency, right? His suplexes look phenomenal. But I have a problem with how he beats people down and not... I don't know, man. It's something wrong with in-ring. Like, everything outside the ring look awesome. Every time he suplexed someone, throwing a uh, throwing dude through the table, all of that. All of that. So, yeah, so I, I had this, I had this, I don't know, this thought that maybe Karrion Cross should be booked more like, not booked, but wrestle-like. Maybe Karrion Cross should wrestle more like Kane, you know? Or like The Fiend. Something more methodical. Use Scarlet as everything mouthpiece. Don't, don't make it about all of his intensities because he can do that without speaking and being more methodical in the ring because he he's he's a fucking athlete but there's something not vibing with his technical wrestling work and i don't know what it is it, it, it's it's like his transition from doing a suplex to a pin or like uh even just i don't know catching someone off the ropes I don't, it's just something clunky man there's something clunky. I don't know what it is. But the the beatdown on Escobar and all of Fantasma, like, it was great. It was great. And then, I, I don't know. The, the conventional wrestling stuff just wasn't adding up, man. Just wasn't adding up. On to the exclamation point for the night, though. Adam Cole. Adam Cole definitively broke up the Undisputed Era. The only thing I don't like, though, is that they still have the same music. And, and I guess that was to, to tease you along to the end of the night. But it was still the same music, still the same hoodie, all that shit. Is there a chance that Fish, O'Reilly, and Strong stay banded together 
and kick out Adam Cole? Or do they find a way to disintegrate this thing properly? Do they really shut it down? Do they really shut it down and 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 just move on? I, I don't know. I don't know. I do think this leads to O'Reilly versus Cole one on one. But what do you do with Fish and Strong? Because they've done nothing. They've done nothing wrong. You know what I mean? What, what did they do wrong? So this is just Adam Cole starting and ending the faction. I mean, they did debut together, right? Uh, Fish, O'Reilly, and Cole. They debuted together. I think they beat down Drew McIntyre at Takeover Brooklyn. But I'm, I'm trying to figure out where this goes, and it's another reason why I don't fantasy book. There's no point in fantasy booking. At Justin Time 211 in the Twitch chat says, This whole Undisputed Era story is fantastic. I feel like they're trying to go with the Ciampa Gargano style of story with the emotions from when DIY broke up. I agree. I agree. It is it is good. I'm just confused because, look, Adam Cole pulled me in, right? When he his promo Wednesday night pulled me in. I Honestly, I got worked in the beginning. I thought he really felt remorse. And then as Strong got closer to him, like, okay, a nut shot's coming. Like, makes sense. And maybe because it's it's all actions and no words, because I'm not, I'm not vibing the words, but I also wasn't invested in the Undisputed Era until the Dusty Cup this year. When O'Reilly started going face and and actually, to be honest, after McAfee, after McAfee turned the entire Undisputed Era babyface, I felt like they had more legs. And to pull the Undisputed Era away from each other and they don't have that steam anymore, I don't know, man. I, I, I feel like it might be premature. I feel like it might be premature. Um, but there, there, there has to be the forest through the trees. You know what I'm saying? Like that there has to be a silver lining to this. Um, cause there was a time too, when Johnny and, and, uh, Tommaso broke up that they went from face partners to heel partners to adversaries. You know what I mean? Like they kept, they kept intertwining. And I think not having Fish and O'Reilly here to help tell the story, I am a little missed. So we'll see though. I I'll definitely let it play out. Um, to me, it just didn't start the right way because of all the assumptions, right? The assumption was that he kicked Kyle in the face because Kyle was more worried about helping Finn than anything else. But then Cole grabs the title. So then Cole says that, well, I was just jealous, you know, in his uh, in his sarcastic or this in the setup voice, you know, that he was just jealous that... O'Reilly had the opportunity he didn't and then he talked about O'Reilly failing twice and him not getting another shot like I get all that like you can be jealous of your homie but why are you breaking up the faction that's another part of the story that they're not under they're not uh they're not selling so if anybody in the chat has anything else on NXT uh we can go there if not we can move on while I'm while I'm messing around here don't forget to like and subscribe everywhere that you can YouTube Twitch uh, Facebook, follow, hit me with a follow on Facebook, podcast platform, rate and review. I usually, I, I've never asked for that stuff, but I'm doing it now because uh, it does, it does help. It, it does help in the metrics. Uh, rate and review everywhere you are. Make sure you follow. Uh, hit the alert button for YouTube. Check out the new website, TWTakesPodcast.com. At Mrs. TWTakes and I, we're working on it to add merch. Do some designs and shit, but all the links are clickable now at TWTakesPodcast.com. Uh, check that shit out. Put it in your bookmarks. Uh, I'm going to be putting merch on there. I'm, I'm finding an interesting way to do merch. I think what I'm going to do is is try to source it locally and then sell everything on eBay. Just And then I'll just have auction links to eBay on the website of each individual merch item. This way I can handle the shipping and all that shit. And I just got to package it at home and, and throw it in the mail. Let me know what you guys think about that. Um, this way I can keep the cost low. Uh, when you when you outsource it to Pro, Pro Wrestling Tees or Teespring or anything like that. Like I'm not shitting on those. Whatever works for anyone. It's all on them. Go for it. Um, I'm, I'm trying to keep the cost as low as possible for me. And the, and the cost as low as possible for you guys. So if you don't have an eBay account, I would suggest if you're interested in merch open an eBay account because uh, that's that's where I plan on on selling the merch is on eBay. Yeah, I'm going to try some cool shit. You know, one of the reasons why I want to do my own merch and my own shipping and everything is to streamline giveaways, make it a lot easier. 
you know, um, I, I, I want to have the ability to give shit away by having stuff at home ready to go. I'm looking into the right way to package it to keep uh, to keep costs low. Like for instance, uh, I made hats for at Just in Time 211 and at MGB Graham for just something simple that I had asked on an episode. They hooked me up. They've been fans anyway, so I made personalized hats for them. They look just like this, but with their own personalization. Um, just to check quality. You know, I wanted to check quality, but I didn't want to get one hat that I wouldn't wear. At least I can give it out to the fans, too. Uh, supporters. Sorry. I mean, I do appreciate the fanship, but it's definitely more support than fan. And when I sent the hat, I think it was like 580 in shipping. I'm like, what the fuck? And then I used different pack packaging to send Justin his pin, and it was 75 cents in shipping. So... I got to figure out the right way to do all this stuff, keep costs as low as possible, streamline as much as possible. And yes, if things grow and I can do better volume elsewhere, that's that's the story with with the merch. Um, I'm, I'm excited. I'm excited because I think I think where everything's going, uh, like I said, back in November, getting the laptop was going to be huge because now I can do this where we're live streaming podcasts. Um, doing fan interaction, uh, the Twitch's money for the watch-alongs. Um, I've been communicating with Wrestling on the Rocks. We, we've done several live streams together. I'll be able to get as many guests as possible. I'm working on some cool shit from Mania with some special people. We'll see how all that goes. Um, but yeah, man, uh, I'm super excited. Super, super excited. Let's jump into SmackDown. SmackDown did what SmackDown does, right? Gives us something incredibly fucking entertaining. You know, I mean, what what more do you want from SmackDown? There were some complaints Monday night, right, about the the women's tag match. Uh, the, the women's tag match on Monday night got about 45 seconds. Why didn't they get the opportunity? Uh, Marsh and I talked about this. Why didn't they get the opportunity at the tag champs? Just give them their tag title opportunity, and whoever was going to win, just let them win. doesn't matter. Uh, but anyway, we got Liv and Tamina. You know, Liv had no entrance. The Ride Squad loses again. But what I really felt was important about this match is that commentary did not stop talking about Liv and Tamina and how and who they were. Uh, they did a fantastic job uplifting the women talent. They talked about them glowingly. The match was okay. Uh... It was no no worse than the Mysterios versus Gable and Otis. I, I really felt like they're they're putting an emphasis on certain things to get us to a certain point. And by by giving Liv and Tamina the opportunity to wrestle on TV, fantastic. But the Mrs. and I are watching the match, and her comment at the very end. Well, that fucking sucked because Liv loses again. The Riot Squad loses again. We have to take the emotion out of it and just take what they give us. But like I said with Asuka, if Ruby wants to leave and go, they did nothing with me, I, I, would, I would take her side because Ruby is special. Ruby is fucking talented. Yet her and Liv have the perfect tag team gimmick and are given no love in the tag team division. Why? Why? What do they do wrong? Yes, maybe they're waiting their time. I don't know. But even the Iconics had their moment in the sun. And now we're wondering what's up with them. Now again, yes, there's only so much time on TV. Only so much time on TV. I completely understand that. But when you have talent, you have to find a way to make this work. And again, maybe that's where we need another show of importance. Another show where we can see these women wrestlers period but we can see these women trend in a certain direction that we can invest our time properly with them i would love to see tamina and natty in a healthy women's tag team division why not why not they're both great like the commentator said they're they're second and third generation superstars their their fathers were both successful in wwe they they grew up in this business they should be a force to be reckoned with great great at the expense of ruby and Liv. okay well, what if they both had storylines, if both teams had storylines separately of each other, and then it came to a culmination at a pay-per-view? Kickoff show or not, just give us 12 minutes of a tag match, 18 minutes of a tag match that we can be invested in because we watch both of them grow. 
That's that's what I'm talking about. That's when when people talk about booking and storylines and all this shit. That's the kind of shit I'm talking about. I don't want to hate anything because then you're watching it for the wrong reasons. I'm watching it to give a shit. I would love to give a shit about Natty and Tamina. I would love to give a shit about Ruby and Liv. And I love Ruby and Liv. They've been one of my talking points before. We thought they were going to get the tag team uh, titles fucking months ago. And and the wife and I were going to come on. That was going to be her first episode on, is us doing it like an ode to the Riot Squad. And it didn't happen. So anyway... Let's not diatribe too much on what I didn't like. Uh, I did mention Mysterios versus Gable and Otis. Uh, like I said, they had they had a similar vibe to what Liv and Tamina did. You know, there was nothing wrong with it. It was just what it was. Um, it was a short match. I felt like they did they did SmackDown uh, redeem themselves from last week's kind of debacle of a show or, or debacle of. Uh, the Mysterio versus Gable and Otis thing. What Otis is doing confuses me. So all I can do is look at it. I'm not a fan of him using the tsunami. I thought I thought him with the... And by tsunami, it's the, the splash off the middle rope like Bronson Reed. I thought the Vader bomb was perfect. Him not using the Vader bomb anymore, uh, it, it really bothers me. Because the look makes sense. Right? Like, if Otis could pull off a Vader salt, fucking go for it. You know? Gable looks good. Dominic looks good. Ray did great in the match. It was a decent SmackDown match, as it was supposed to be. Um, again, I'm not too sure what's happening with Otis. I don't I don't see this as heel Otis, though. Again, I see this more as him trying to understand what Gable wants out of him. And you see him... Really, it's just him being more deliberate. He's cutting out the goofy bullshit, and he's just being more deliberate. There's nothing wrong with that. The idea is that it's healed because it's vicious, but it's not. To me, it's not. It's just being more deliberate. So, um, I mean, I'm I'm cool with Otis. I'd li- I'd like to see where it's going, and I thought this match against the Mysterios was a lot better than last week. Um, again, we'll, we'll see how Otis plays out. Apollo, 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 Apollo. What a fantastic, fantastic job of being a heel character. I would love for on screen they give Roman Reigns the credit for this. And I only say that because, again, he did the spot next to Roman, and he hasn't been with him since. But what is his heel character? His heel character is, this is my bloodline. This is my family lineage. This is where I'm from. This is what I'm providing for. And if if that's not exactly what Roman Reigns is... This is the perfect version of Apollo. At first, I was like, okay, tread lightly. Let's see. First thing I noticed, he's wearing pants. And him in pants accentuates how jacked he is. It makes him look more professional, less of a cartoon character. And that's no offense to anyone. It's just the way he looks. He looks more like a professional performer. And I dig it. I absolutely dig it. I love the fact that he is doing this for the family. Now let's see where we go. Because my only concern is that he gets on the microphone and says it every week. Now I don't think that's going to be the thing. I don't think he's going to be on the microphone every week. Because after the promo, while he had the match with Nakamura, the commentary team was so emphatic over what Apollo was and where Apollo was coming from that the commentary team can do that job every single week. I absolutely love the new look. I love the new character. And I would love for commentary to really take it forward the rest of the week. His match against Nakamura was pretty good. Um, I didn't write <laughs> I didn't write down the end of the match. I don't know who won. I, I fucking completely forgot. I feel like Apollo won. Um, I don't remember how. <laughs> Oh, what a terrible professional. But this beginning to a new Apollo is fantastic. And that's the, that's the takeaway. That's where uh, a quality match of, of good action, decent storytelling can take you. Is that your investment now is in Apollo going forward. Now, if this is a feud with Nakamura and we get some quality matches going forward, believe it. I won't forget the finish to any of them. <laughs> Fucking dummy. 
Oh, can't believe I did that shit. All right, let's see. What we got next here? A um, couple things left is... All right, Bianca. Bianca finally chooses Sasha Banks. Um, Reginald had his own graphic and a vari variation of Carmelo's music. I thought that was pretty cool. Um, other than that, I didn't like Sasha's attitude. I thought she's better than that. I thought she doesn't need to. I, I don't like when she sasses it up. Uh, when she, all that giddy giggle shit, just stand there, be tough Sasha, and let Bianca know that she has to go through you. Don't look vulnerable as if that's going to be the weakness, is that she overlooked Bianca. I, I don't want that. It doesn't make sense to me. She's smarter than that. She's better than that. She cannot look the fool because she's not a fool. She's been too good for too long. So I thought... Uh, Bianca's presentation in the ring was her best look. I thought she was okay on on the promo, so that's trending for me. She's she's moving up promo wise. I don't like when she rattles off her ESTs because she seems like she's rushing through them to make sure she gets them all. Um, slow down a bit, but that's just personal preference. What we what I need to see. This is my thing. This is what I need to see out of Bianca. I think she needs to be in ring every week. Until until WrestleMania. Showing that she's honing the craft. Showing that she's building her in-ring work to beat Sasha Banks. Because if she doesn't hone the in-ring work, regardless of the ending of the match, I'm not going to buy in. I'm either not going to buy in because this will be the first time I've seen Bianca have a flawless match. Or I'm going to be able to see through the match. I need to see Bianca wrestle every Friday until WrestleMania. Be a better wrestler every single week. Show the improvement because I want to believe that Sasha Banks could lose. Checking in on the chat, Justin Time 211. The Reginald thing makes no sense. I was into it for a bit, but I don't understand it anymore. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's he's a distraction, but Sasha says that you're not distracting me. And I agree. Um, it's kind of gratuitous. I don't anticipate this being a three-way. I, I, I don't anticipate Reginald finding a way to get Carmella into the match. Uh, if they do that well, I'm okay with it. But yeah, I, I don't really see the purpose. But if it gets us to a point where Reginald has a character now, I'm okay with that too. The problem is the only one that's going to stick up for... Well, no... Because Kalisto has been around Sasha Banks, right? So is there a chance that we get Kalisto versus Reginald? Because I was going to say the only one that would stick up for either one of them would be Montez. Montez is in a tag team. And that's not um, that's not what Reginald's about right now. So I don't know. I'm curious. I'm curious um, if, if this leads to Reginald with some more in-ring action. Because he's fun to watch in the ring. Uh, and, and he, they're, hey, they're doing a job building a character. So that's part of it, but how he pertains to the women, yeah, uh, it's not, it's not vibing for me. So I, I'll agree, I'll agree that it's not really making sense uh, in the context of the women's storyline. But maybe it gives us something else. Maybe it gives us something else. All right, let's uh, let's see here. Uh, so we had the Street Profits versus Corbin and Zayn. And let me ask you this: How about the Street Profits looking more serious? Is that not just an inherent victory right there? I think that alone is is a victory in itself. So the Street Profits came out. They did their normal entrance. Everything was cool, but there was less there was less clowning this time. Um, I think again Dawkins is the better overall wrestler. He is looking smoother and smoother every time. He is seemingly as strong as God, honestly maybe Otis. Like him versus Otis. Might not be a bad one-on-one -on -one match, uh, which I think we actually had that already. I'm thinking like Raw when they were heading towards the titles or some shit. But anyway, yeah, Dawkins is just looking looking really fucking good. And I mean, what hasn't Montez Ford done that isn't fucking athletic? Uh, that front flip over Sammy onto Corbin. I mean, what the fuck? And then the springboard fog splash at the end, opposed to standing at the top and then doing it. I mean, the guy is the guy's doing some shit. And then, what the hell was that unnamed neckbreaker 
that uh, Graves and, and Cole couldn't even decide what to call it from Dawkins. I mean, they they showed us that there's way more in in their bag of tricks than just being the entertaining guys. I mean, they didn't have a promo backstage where they were doing all their shit. They just, I mean, they toned it down and were deliberate and just fucking good. So hopefully that gives us a new style of Street Profits going forward. So when they do challenge the Dirty Dogs, there are no mistakes. There are no hiccups. Uh, Justin Time 11 in Twitch chat says, It does seem they did turn down the goofiness a bunch, which is good because they were getting too obnoxious levels. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, when you, even when you see Montez dancing on the top rope, he had the foot on the, the post and the foot on the turnbuckle, and he's dancing and shit. And, like, you're allowed to have a good time, but definitely tone it down so we can take you more seriously, and they did that. Uh, the main takeaway from SmackDown, though, let's get into it. Uh, everything Roman Reigns, Daniel Bryan, Jey Uso, and Edge, right? Started off the night with the Roman Reigns promo. It was awesome. <laughs> the craziest shit for me is I'm listening to Roman Reigns talk and how he's setting it up, and no one else says anything. And I'm like, Edge might win this match. Edge might win this match. And that doesn't bother me. The way Roman is doing his part of the job for this match makes Edge seem so viable, not even by talking about how viable Edge is, just by the way Roman has recapped everything, made it seem like he really might lose. And when this character debuted and how he built, I'm like, oh, Roman's not going to lose the title for a year. Like, at least. He's going to carry this thing to next SummerSlam, to some type of culmination where fans are going to be around. We're going to have an epic fucking match, and somehow he's going to lose the title. He might lose it to Edge. And in a way, that makes sense. And I don't know how that looks in the ring, right? Because Roman isn't arrogant in the ring. Roman completely understands what's happening. And he he lost his his focus when he went to spear Daniel Bryan and he put it into the S-lock. But while while Roman was was hitting that promo in the middle of the ring, I'm like, Son of, like Edge really might win. I, I can't believe that, that that thought crossed my mind. So Daniel Bryan interrupted. And again, not a Daniel Bryan guy, but good shit's good shit, right? And Daniel Bryan, very believable promo. This was the most non-character wrestling promo that I remember from Daniel Bryan. He's usually trying to be goofy or trying to be... Like, the, the, the way he's arrogant, right? Daniel Bryan arrogance isn't everyone else's arrogance. It's fucking like, well, you know I'm a better wrestler than you, and I could, it wasn't that. It, it wasn't as corny. And he brought up the history. I, I put A lot of people put it out on Twitter. I did as well. Uh, them at Fastlane years back. I mean, I thought it was... One of the better Dan Roman Reigns matches. Uh, a lot of people gave Daniel Bryan the credit in that match. I watched it like five times back then. I did not see where Daniel Bryan was doing more for that match than Roman was. Maybe before Fastlane this year, we'll rewatch that match. Kind of as like a test to get into the feed or whatever to make sure everything's, everything's dope. But like, yeah, I really felt like that was a nice 50-50 match where they both did their thing. I mean, again, Roman sells for everyone. But anyway... Um, yeah, I thought it was a really good, really good spot by Daniel Bryan to interrupt. And then, without question, Jay steps up and fucking takes out Daniel Bryan. And I love it. I love it. I actually want Jimmy to come back so we can have this. So Jimmy can do it too. Now, they set up Daniel Bryan and Jay. So if Daniel Bryan wins, he gets a shot at Roman at Fastlane. And I, I want that match. I do want that one-on-one. Because I think you should... Because right now the plan is to have Daniel Bryan and Edge versus Jay and Roman at Fastlane. And I don't want Edge and Roman to touch in a match at all. Tag or not. I don't mind them sneaking each other for the beatdowns. But I don't want them touching in a match. I think it will ruin when they actually do touch. So I would rather see Daniel Bryan versus Roman at Fastlane. Uh, even if even if Roman finds a way to make it non-title, but I think based off of Daniel Bryan and Edge in the back, that if there was a shot that Daniel Bryan was to beat Roman Reigns, 
we would still be on the edge of our seats. I actually wouldn't mind if it was Roman and Daniel Bryan at Fastlane because, again, I don't want Edge and Roman in a match together until WrestleMania, and I would like I would like that match to mean something. So into the match. Daniel Bryan versus Jey Uso. Uh, did, did you think it was going to be bad? <laughs> you know, they, they're fucking... Watching Jay in these singles matches, and especially this one against Daniel Bryan, because it's, it's been it's been a while since it was main event Jay, right? Uh, he's he's kind of been doing his own thing, right? It, not necessarily in this same context as it was when he wrestled Daniel Bryan the first time and AJ and uh, uh, Kevin Owens. This match was fucking great. It was so good that I was wondering if. Do we get the Usos back together, or do we just get the Tribal Chiefs table assembled, and they do individual stuff with Roman and Roman's approval? I don't know, but it's almost as if there's value in Jay as an individual above the Usos as a tag team, but if you do have Jay this great, and his chemistry with Jimmy as a tag team the way it used to be, but with this Jay, does Jimmy step up to this point too? And we have an Usos that's fucking dominant? That might be the move too. So I'm very, very, very intrigued with where this is going. Very intrigued. Very intrigued. Because when, when I got back into this, again, it was Roman Reigns, it was Paige. First tag team I fucked with was the Usos. I dig it, man. I dig it. Now where do we go from here? At Justin Time, 211 in the chat says, Brian versus Reigns at Fastlane would be perfect setting. The same event they faced off six years ago. Plus, the way they've been teasing them facing off an actual match will make so much sense. Now, Justin Time, during Elimination Chamber, hated the fact that they touched. Uh, Marsh from Wrestling on the Rocks happened to say, this, this shows you what could be by having it. So I went along that line. Justin, do you think, do you think, you're more excited for Daniel Bryan and Roman now than you were pre-elimination chamber. Because I am. I am. I think I think they set it up perfect. I think we all got worked at Elimination Chamber. <laughs> Justin Tsai says absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. No, WWE did their job. At Elimination Chamber, they teased us of what could be. And when you strip away the circumstances, like even Daniel Bryan said, and you set it up in a real match with time to prepare and all that shit you're going to get something special. And I think we should, as fans, look forward to that. And I do think, as a company, they'll give us that. I, I think, in, in my, in my, in the, not, not, again, not fantasy booking, but just the way, the way it would make sense to me is you leave Edge and Roman apart and you give us Edge and Daniel Bryan because I don't think Daniel Bryan fits into this storyline any other way. He fits in right now, and he doesn't fit in until after WrestleMania. I'm with it. I think them at Fastlane would be incredible, especially if there's no interference, no nothing, and it's just a straight-up match. Imagine him going fucking the AJ Cena route. 25 minutes in the ring, never touch the outside. No one gets thrown into the steps. No one gets thrown over the guardrail. Just just after it. There's going to be a point where it looks like Daniel Bryan can't get up. That it looks like Daniel Bryan has every advantage above Roman, but Roman is selling his ass. I mean, it, it would be incredible. I think they're setting us up perfect for it. We're going to have to watch, take what they give us, and keep it moving. Uh, other than that, I got nothing. I got nothing. I am working on so many different things. Uh, I've been saying it for a couple months now. I'm working on a new intro. Well, I'm working on a different one. Uh, figuring some things out. Like I said, got the website up. Uh, gonna be trying to do merch on eBay. It's gonna take a while because I gotta find the right provider. I might just do a quick, uh, a quick set of things just to see how it works. Um, I just started looking at local businesses. I was looking at online providers to get things shipped direct to the house because they can do volume plus timing um, to make it simpler. So I want the right price point for me so I can have the right price point for you guys. 
Again, I want to have stock at the house so I can do giveaways at my leisure. So stay tuned to TWTakesPodcast.com. All the social links are on there. All the podcast links are on there. If by chance you're watching this and not listening, let me know where your platform is if you don't have the platform at TWTakesPodcast.com. Check out the pinned tweet. Please interact as much as possible. I love getting people and their opinions on the show. This is this is my dream podcast as a listener. I used to listen to all the podcasts out there. I would send tweets. They would interact. They would Some would use my ideas on shows without giving me credit. Some would bring me up on their show, and I would feel amazing about it. Every time I heard my name on a podcast, I was like, man, that makes me feel good. And then there was a couple shows that they took some liberties with my appreciation for them, and I stopped listening. Sam Roberts used to say it all the time. This is a podcast by wrestling fan for wrestling fans, but I think I'm the purest form of that, and I don't. I didn't want to say it without giving him credit for saying that, and I'm not shitting on him either, but I am a wrestling fan, and I try not to bash any wrestler or product or anything. I just like to talk about what I like to talk about. And my mission statement from the beginning is to only judge what they give us, not be mad at what they don't give us. Because stuff that I don't like is stuff that other people like. And the only thing I can do is give my honest opinion. And I will do that. And I will continue to do that. And that's my promise to myself. That's my promise to anyone who decides to listen to this. I appreciate every single interaction. Chaos Theory Podcast with Mr. Chaos, my guy. I appreciate the love on your podcast every time you bring my name up. MGB Graham. At Good Cop, Bad Cop Wrestling. Good Bad Wrestle is a Twitter handle. Has been phenomenal to me since episode one. He is the podcast Sherpa, the podcast Messiah. He is there for every single wrestling podcast. He's on Overcast. He's the only one to do it, and that's fine. But trust that your one Overcast sub is from him. Uh, Graham, I appreciate you, sir. Matt Red Fox at Another Living Podcast. Just came back. He's doing great work. He is fucking hysterical. I... I put this out on Twitter. I've watched maybe 30 seconds of Dragon Ball Z my entire life. I just listened to his Dragon Ball Z podcast for an hour and a half and was laughing at their ability to just talk shit on what they like and dislike about something. Uh, so I appreciate you, Mr. Red Fox. Keep it up. Chat Grapple and Cheap Pops, you guys are amazing. Thank you for the shout outs. I, I love the interview styles that you guys are doing now. Anyone out here living their dream having their ability to represent themselves and what they love, I will always shed appreciation for. Bedlam Media, I told, I'd look, I told them guys in DMs, I don't listen to their shows often, and when I do, I'm usually behind. So since they do what I do, I do what they do when it comes to wrestling recaps. I don't, I don't listen so I don't get skewed, but I always download, and I always find a way to play some of it, so I can hopefully count in their listenership. But support them. They are out there living a dream, putting together content that is going to propel them to whatever the final goal is. Because as I say about this, step one, you have to give a shit. Step two, you have to try. I started this podcast because because of where I am now. I wanted to do this right now. And I started uploading episodes because I wanted my practice to be out there because I don't know what it sounds like until I download and listen and having that full experience with my show I want everyone who has the opportunity to give it a shot give it a shot if I forgot anyone who has shouted me out on their show please let me know I my bad um, but this community is fucking dope man Justin thank you for the support as always Everyone that I interact on, on Twitter, Just a Wrestling 5, BC Mendoza, uh, man, everyone, everyone, uh, I fucking love you guys, man, this, this has been the coolest fucking thing ever, we're video now, we're audio as always, like and subscribe everywhere you can, alerts, as my guys at Chat Grapple and Cheap Pop say, touch them bells, touch them bells, man. Oh, man, they, they're, they're having such a good time interviewing people. Their Duke the, Duke the Dumpster Josie interview just came out uh, almost a week ago. Fucking awesome. 
They talked about wrestling for maybe 20 minutes of it. The other hour was about redemption and the ability to just do what fuels you. I mean, they're doing such a great job. I don't know. I got nothing else. Um, just keep keep the alerts as shit rolls out. You know, yesterday I announced the website. Uh, what's up there? Shit, I did that in like 25 minutes. It's not hard if you try, man. It's not hard if you try. I'm going to continue to grow. Appreciate all the support. Other than that, thank you guys for coming by. So, with that being said, review if you do, rate if you feel. Follow me at TWTakesPodcast on Instagram and Twitter. Share your terrible wrestling takes via my pinned tweet. Email me, bishoptwtakes at gmail.com. Until next time.